So what's up the sports podcast for Monday the 14th of November. I'm Randy Kure. We are live via Twitter spaces. Thank you so much for joining us or if you are downloading today's episode or catching us on YouTube. The roundtable has assembled and really thrilled to uh, be joined by uh, some a couple of dear friends who uh, many years ago we took part and dominated uh, Seneca's radio broadcasting program uh tony antonio is uh back of course uh tony what's going on not much randy how are you it's been a while yeah it has been uh it has been a little while and uh thank you as always and uh even more so uh dan Legere, uh is back it's been over six months since he's appeared on the podcast always grateful uh for dano to make some time for us dano thank you how are you Doing well, Randy. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, my pleasure. My pleasure. On today's episode, we're going to go quite heavy uh, with the Maple Leaf as the 2022 uh, Men's World Cup is less than two weeks away. Some pro athletes are facing discipline for their off-play actions. One, a repeat offender, if you will. The other, a blue chip, a blue chip NHL prospect. And rapid fire, can baseball fans accept the Houston Astros as a true World Series champion? Is Hollywood going to invade our nation's capital of Ottawa? And uh, Canada's men's team has qualified for another World Cup. That and a lot more, guys. Uh Lo and behold, the World Cup. As uh, the weather gets uh, colder here in southern Ontario, I didn't check the temperature officially, but it was, give or take, I believe it was around three, four degrees. I didn't even step foot outside. But, uh, of course, this time of the year, uh, what better way to uh, get prepared for a World Cup of soccer? Uh, Very quickly, and I did not prepare you boys with this trivia question, can you tell me the day when Russia and Qatar were announced as hosts for the World Cup? I looked this up, and uh, uh, if you do remember, the World Cup uh, for both Russia and Qatar was announced on the same day. And I remember it was a really long time ago. Can you even give me a year for when it was announced? Uh, my guess would be 2018 was Russia. So what, what? My last trip to my last trip to Cuba was 20. No, my. Give me a second here. I'm. Yeah, no, I, I know that I I know that I throw you this uh, threw you this wrench, but uh, I did. I I wanted to make sure okay. that you were not prepared for uh, think, this question. Twenty. I think 2021 was when they announced 
officially that Canada was hosting, right, with the states and Mexico. So that was, I'm going to say uh, 2015. 2015. Dano, any idea? Oh, my God. I have no idea. Don't even care to venture in. Yes. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm waiting with bated breath. With the You're waiting with bated breath. Well, you know what? Yes. Uh, on December twenty, uh, on December second, it would be twelve years since that very announcement. So in two thousand and ten, this was an yes. it was announced when Russia and Qatar were uh, awarded this World Cup, and uh, that means. And I also looked this up as well. Alfonso Davies was ten years and one month old. So, but anyway, that's another uh, topic. But. Uh, yeah, I, I just found it amazing. It, it felt so long ago, and in fact, it was over a decade ago when uh, Russia and Qatar were announced the World Cup. And uh, less than two weeks away, the uh, Qatari World Cup will commence. Uh, Tony, you and I have been to a number of men's national matches. Uh, how excited are you now that Canada is less than... Uh, two weeks away of participating in this World Cup and the World Cup it's, in general, of course. It's winding up again. It's getting it's it's getting exciting again. Um, I was a little I was a little meh over the kind of uh, the novelty kind of wore off for a bit, and I think when Canada pulled the uh, protest, it left a bad taste in my mouth. To be honest with you, if Canada wasn't in this World Cup. I wouldn't have been as excited for it, just given the optics, the it being in November, uh, the amount of injuries uh, going into this World Cup by so many different players that were key factors in their team. But uh, you know what? We're we're getting closer. Uh, watching some of the video of the you know the Canada players' families' reactions to their to their boys being announced to the national team has kind of sucked me in a little bit more. Uh, not gonna lie, I watched. Um, you sent me the Liam or you posted the Liam Fraser mm -hmm. one. Yeah. Um, and today Toronto FC sent a nice uh, gift package to their three guys who are going and it's a lot of emotion. So I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. There's a little bit of salty discharge that came out of my eyes um, <laughs> watching some of that. And it's all about family. So anyway, the more I'm seeing it, the more I'm getting a little more excited. I mean, uh, I could totally appreciate it. And you know, uh, we uh, didn't, uh, uh, I didn't really think about uh, the whole how this whole thing has uh, evolved since qual uh, Canada qualified uh, officially against Jamaica, uh, but uh, I could definitely see how it does feel a little bit foreign with this World Cup being in November, and if Canada wasn't taking part in it, that uh, maybe we as a community would not be as interested. But uh, Dano, I could distinctly remember uh, asking you the last time you appeared on uh, the podcast, how, what your uh, perception is of the World Cup uh, because Italy uh, is not in it. However, uh, the country you were born and raised in uh, is in it. Uh, does it feel similar to you, uh, you did say it did feel strange when we did uh, chat, but uh, all those months ago. But uh, does it feel similar? The excitement of the World Cup. Um, 
No, but I don't know what to attribute it to, to be honest. I don't know if it's because Italy's not in it, because the, honestly, if I look back, you know, leading up to the Euro Cup or um, not the last World Cup, because Italy failed to qualify for that one as well, but the one before that, uh, my, you know, my excitement for these types of tournaments is just different these days. It's, it's, it's the Tony's point where it's like, I know it's coming. I know I, I should be excited about it, but I don't know that I'm in gear yet. Um, but with each passing day, it gets more and more real. It gets more and more exciting just because at the end of the day, um, you know, we're big sports fans. So, you know, you look forward to these sort of uh, world tournaments that put that uh, best on best. And, you know, I, I always create these, um, you know, spectacular memories within ourselves and our families, even, uh, you know, it's maybe tradition within our families. So it's, um, I'm sure once the tournament gets going, once Canada's first game rolls around against Belgium, uh, the country will start buzzing, I feel. And then, um, you know, Italy be damned. Uh, you know, we'll have to just, uh, you know, put our, put our jerseys aside for now or tournament inside out and that probably rep that red and white. And uh, it uh, officially starts the entire World Cup on the 20th with uh, the host Cotter facing Ecuador. And of course, if you do, uh, if the two of you remember, I remember distinctly that the uh, uh, favorites to host the 2018 World Cup and the 2022 World Cup were England and the United States. Uh, it was uh, laughed at to the fact that Russia and Qatar were going to be hosts. Lo and behold, uh, FIFA had some different plans. And uh, with this World Cup being in November, I was a little intrigued about it. I will be honest with you because as we are have grown with the World Cup being in June, that it is a different dynamic, this being in November. Uh, but uh, who knows? I mean, uh, who knows how uh, intrigued I would be for this World Cup if uh, our country wasn't in it. Uh, but it just got me to thinking more about locations for not only world cups but for maybe olympics as well and if we could take away the human element aside the atrocities aside apparently a number of human rights uh, violations had taken place with the construction of these stadiums dano um does the location of these massive tournaments and events make a difference to you uh soccer is the global game do you think that there might be value in this tournament being in countries like australia for example uh, the last euro was in a collection of countries throughout europe uh, is there something to maybe thinking outside the box not having it in these soccer mad countries um Truthfully, it, it should matter. You know, I, I don't know how you take uh, atrocities and put them to the side. I know what I know what you're trying to say, uh, mm -hmm. and I know how you're trying to phrase the question. But, but that's a big one. You know, truthfully, it's it's a big, big one. Uh, you know, a lot of Canadians are heading over to watch Canada play because this is the first time they're going to be in the World Cup in uh, what 36 years, I think it is. Um, and I get it. You know, you want to be there. You want to witness history. You want to watch them win their, their first game in the World Cup and it might be the first one ever. I'm not even sure to be honest. Uh, but you know you you, you want to be able to 
to be there and like you said, to support this global game, witness it, uh, you know, see the best players. But at the same time, I don't, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I don't profess to be an, an expert on uh, you know, geopolitical issues or, uh, you know, world affairs for that matter. But I think that there's a danger in putting the atrocities to the side, even if it's for a month. Um, I have a friend who's heading over there to, to watch a few uh, uh, Canadian games. I have another friend who's uh, just moved there for uh, for the calendar year to, to teach uh, teach English at, at, at schools over there. And, you know, I do use the world cup as an excuse to, to get over there and, 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 you know, and see what it's all about. And, you know, they're telling me that they're already seeing and hearing uh, reports and they may be over here already too, but, you know, they're being told to, I guess their police force or their morality division or whoever's over there, you know, controlling how people think and behave and, you know, celebrate who they are. And they're telling them to, you know, don't kill any gays, you know, for 30 days. So while people, all the world's watching us, you know, kill them all now or, you know, or, or wait to persecute them after everybody leaves or, um, you know, make sure that you don't, uh, you know, put in jail a Canadian or an American or an Australian because they're drunk in public, you know, these sort of things that, you know, it's the rules that they live by when the World Cup is not there. So it should matter. Truthfully, it should. I, I think I'm on team Philip Lum uh, when he said just this last week that it was a mistake to, to award uh, Connor the World Cup and Russia is maybe a good example of that too where again if I try not to go too far out of my ability to craft uh, meaningful arguments out of stuff that I don't understand but you know putting Russia on the world stage like that a few years ago as this friend and ally to democracy and to uh, the way Western worlds uh, you know want to live and behave and how we want to treat people, treat people and human rights issues and women's rights and trans rights and everybody's rights, uh, you know, and look at him now, look what he's, you know, look what he's, he's put himself into, look who he's really shown himself to be, uh, you know, we can make a pinpoint politicians or, uh, you know, public figures, hockey coaches, even maybe who, you know, showed us who they really were. We didn't believe them. So we gave them the key to the city to, you know, this license to sort of uh, print money as far as, uh, you know, licensing and merchandising goes. I'm sure Cotter is coming uh, coming on top here, even tourism dollars. Um, and then to turn around and who knows what they're going to do with that money or how they're going to treat their people um, in the years to come. So I think it's uh, I, I think it's dangerous. I I know that it's boring, even though to stick to the familiar sites: Australia, Canada, the UK. You know, how many places can we really go before it gets too much? Even the Super Bowl is evident that they kept uh, they're they're looking for outdoor stadiums now because. People are just bored of going through the same cities. So I get it. It's entertainment. I get it. It's the world stage. I get it. We need to, they want to grow the game globally. Um, but I don't know. I think it was, I think it was a mistake um, in the end too, uh, but I don't exactly uh, have the proper authority or knowledge to explain to you um, just why. Well, to, uh, no, I, I completely hear and agree with everything you had said. And uh, believe me, the uh, apparently as many as you, the assumption is, is that tens of thousands of construction workers had died uh, from making these facilities. And uh, I, I mean, uh, how can you have a, a tournament when uh, when more than 
one person died uh, in uh, deplorable conditions. And believe me, that's something that I wasn't I, I wasn't looking to, uh, you know, sort of uh, bypass and say, hey, let's have a great time anyway, despite, uh, you know, the population of a small stadium uh, dying. Um, but I, I guess the way that I looked at it was uh, in the National Hockey League, when they do have regular season games in Europe, it's always in those same countries like a Slovakia and a Sweden. And rarely is it in France or England or Italy. To me, uh, I mean, uh, and we could probably expand this whole topic even further with regards to the World Cup because there's a lot of uh, uh, socioeconomic issues in a country like Brazil as well as in the Olympics. And they had uh, those two uh, massive tournaments in the span of two years, billions of dollars being spent. South Africa, could they afford uh, stadiums as well? Uh, you know, uh, thinking that there are a lot of economic issues in uh, that country also. Um, you know, Tony, I don't, I don't know That's if you did one. Sorry, sorry Ronnie, if I could just jump in. I, I think you, you've hit on, on something important to, to mention too, where it's all hypocrisy, it's all bullshit anyway. Uh, Lip Golf was uh, was people were up in arms because uh, golfers were going over there taking Saudi Arabia's money to play golf. When you know, how can we condemn one person or one sport for taking so-called blood money when you know governments around the country do the exact same thing? So you know, two wrongs make it right here. You know, are we talking that uh, you know what level of atrocity or? you know, even, uh, you know, suppression of, of human rights, you know, disqualifies a country from hosting because then you could probably find fault in everybody. You know, should Canada have the World Cup if, you know, if we were just exposed to have, you know, a, a terrible history in, in, in human rights and treating, you know, mm -hmm. uh, people the, the, the way that we do. So then, you know, where do you draw that line? Where, who makes that decision to say that Qatar is bad but Canada is just fine. You know, we can ignore their past or you know what's happening there currently, just as an example. Um, but that's so, not their. Yeah. That's not Qatar's past. It's it's their. Yeah. It, it's their present. It's you know probably their future. Um, you know it, it. It again. It it all comes down to money. I mean, even Step Ladder, which was you know an empty platitude in my opinion, came out and said it was a mistake giving. Qatar of the World Cup, but it wasn't a mistake at the time when they were, you know, every member of, of FIFA's delegation was getting bribed for these games. Um, look, we here in the West, we get to sit here and look at other countries. This should be a lesson for us here in the West who sit here and talk about our own countries like there's some shithole, hellhole, systemic everything, you know, dirt holes. But the difference between this side of the world and that side of the world is that there is constantly a striving to be better. There isn't, you know, an ignoring of the past and what it was, but there is a constant strive to do better and be better and be more inclusive and be more. It's just, you know, it's just more profitable out in this side of the world to say, this is what we are. We're not a good country, blah, blah, blah. But that's a different story for a different day. Um, sometimes, you know, other cultures are other cultures and they know they knew exactly what they were getting into. Um, and any player who tries Sorry, to they, have they being FIFA. Yeah. FIFA knew You're exactly right. what they were getting into and they knew this was a, 
it was all about money. It always is about money. Uh, who can who can be the highest bidder? Um, but they, they they got they got killed pretty good. I mean, heads rolled from uh, from these two decisions, especially Qatar. Over the last few years, FBI got involved. You know, heads rolled big time. So I I think things will change in FIFA because of it, and you will probably see more of these traditional soccer countries get the games because it's about money too. infrastructure. These stadiums are ready to go, you know, to have a, another world cup in Germany is not a big deal. Have another world cup in Italy is not a big deal. It, it's a lot of money you're spending and a lot of lives you're sacrificing for stadiums that are going to be torn down. I mean, one of the stadiums in Qatar is made up of shipping containers and it'll, it'll be collapsible and go away. And just think about how many lives have been lost. Right. Um, making that, I, you know, but again, I'll I'll be the first there, hypocrite, sitting there watching the games, no problem. Don't, you know, not everybody can be as uh, brave as Philip Lamb to to boycott. I mean, even the United States team are putting are changing the crest on their shirt to the rainbow color in support of, you know, um, gay rights and whatever right. that you know Qatar doesn't have, and that's all fine and dandy. I mean, again. Put something on your shirt, empty platitudes. You want to impress me? Don't go. Boycott the World Cup, right? But I think we're all hypocrites. We're going to watch it, and we're going to forget about what's happening in those countries. That's just the reality. Of it. Well, and uh, I hate to agree with you, but uh, you're a thousand percent right. Because, uh, hey, uh, if you are watching via YouTube, you could see the uh, background behind me, and uh, I could have... Uh, easily had the stance like Tony and uh, said uh, boycott the World Cup because of all the human rights violations that have taken place. Uh, but I uh, rather selfishly am extremely excited about the World Cup. And, you know, I maybe this was a topic that should have been left for the uh, end of uh, this uh, particular segment. But uh, uh I really do hope that there is uh, some changes. And uh, with regards to soccer, uh, we do know that 2026 is going to be headed to North America. Uh, is it possible that the uh, World Cup will be heading to England in 2030? Uh, the rumor is, is that England uh, is a front runner to host uh, that particular World Cup. Uh, in the end, I... I would love to see. I mean, there is something that I did think was kind of cool about South Africa. I can imagine the kind of atrocities that may have taken place in that country because there are, uh, from what I understand, some very uh, financially uh, starved areas in that country. But uh, this, uh, these are the times we are living in. And uh, hopefully FIFA and the International Olympic Committee uh, will be making changes to that. Uh, guys, I don't really know how to transition from uh, a topic so deep uh, to how Canada is going to do. But if I can make an attempt, uh, Tony, uh, this uh, men's national side uh, doesn't really have one when it comes to the World Cup. There was one appearance where they did not score a goal in 1986. Uh, what do you think is the uh, floor for this squad in terms of uh, their performance for Cotter? I expect uh, ultra competitive team, a team that's going to have the confidence to go for it. Unlike the Canadian team at 86, which 
You know, I think they try to, you know, not get killed. I think John Herdman's <laughs> going to get them to push uh, and not be afraid of the moment. But, I, you know, I can see a tie coming out of it. I hope I'm wrong. But, you know, Belgium and Croatia are just I, I understand the age of Croatia. Everybody keeps telling me about that. But, you know, there's there's something to be said about uh, a group of players who have been through that grind together, understanding, you know, what it takes. And Belgium is Belgium. And even Morocco is going to be a tough team. Uh, they've, you know, they added the Chelsea guy, um, Hacking Ziyech, to the squad who was uh, kind of on the outs with the country. But I expect ultra competitiveness. I would not be surprised if they pull, you know, a, a win out against Morocco, let's say, and play two tight ones against Croatia and Belgium. I just, I don't know. Until they get into that game situation and things are happening all over the place, you can't prepare for that. And, and you know, they played a friendly against Uruguay. What was it? Uh, I guess it was late September. Actually, I was I was leaving for Cuba September 29th. And, and you saw they had their struggles uh, against, you know, a, a classy team, you know, one of the one of the upper echelon squads. So it's going to be a challenge for them. You know, don't we want to get excited? Of course, but understand that um, <laughs> they're they're playing real teams now. You know, that's not to say that Concacaf was not tough, but you know, Belgium and Croatia, man, like this is is big time now. Now you're playing with the big boys. So, but I expect comp- like ultra competitive team. Hopefully, uh, Alfonso's uh, relatively healthy. Obviously, if he's not at a hundred percent, you know, it takes a little bit away from the team. But um, I think. Like I said, John Herdman is a miracle worker. He's as good as he is like as a tactical coach. He's equally as good as a motivator. So he will get them to another level. Well, Dano, I, I don't know how uh, versed you are with uh, Canada's competition, let alone the uh, the squad itself. I could imagine as a big soccer fan that you have uh, some sort of uh, knowledge. Uh, you know, try and educate me. Uh for somebody who, on the surface, I, I you know I've been to a lot of matches, but I don't know the game uh, as well as yourself or even Tony. Uh, but uh, obviously, uh, Canada is not a power soccer powerhouse. Majority of our players, half of our players, play in Europe, but Belgium and Croatia are Belgium and Croatia. And uh, as Tony did mention, that the Croatian side is an older squad. Um, is that really relevant? Do you think that uh, Canada does have a chance with uh, an aging Croatian side and an underachieving Belgian side? Uh, well, yeah, that's uh, it's why you play the game, right? You always have a chance, and then and they've not just squeaked their way into qualifying for this tournament. They, you know, they they've earned their place at the table. Um, so to Tony's point, I think that they'll be a lot of fun to watch. I think they will be a competitive team. Um, and I don't know. It's, uh, it, it is hard to say. Um, but to your point, uh, yes, it does matter that these teams are these teams. You know, conventional sports wisdom will tell you that. You know, it, it's, not a, it's not a science by any means. You know, um, there are certain teams on paper that should always beat other teams. But, you know, they don't. Uh, the, the, the way the Maple Leafs started the, this, this season is evidence of that. Um, but, you know, if this is 
the big stage, if this is the big dance, the playoffs, so to speak, you know, the, you know, three games and then you're done. This is when experience matters most. Uh, and, you know, if Lukaku is not on, on the Belgium team, I don't know if that makes as much a difference as some Canadian fans would maybe hope it would. Um, because to Tony's point, you know, these are experienced teams. These have guys been, been playing together, uh, you know, for decades and, and not just, um, not to diminish again, you know, Canada, but the, but not just in qualifying or, you know, in um, in friendly matches. You know, they've been in the big tournament. Croatia was a, at a third place finish in, in recent memory. So, um, they were you know, they were the finalists in the last World Cup. There you go. See, so that's in my mind. Of course they were. So yeah. So you know these things you, you can't discount those um, those qualities about these teams. But you know, should fan, Canada finish first in the in in their league as well, or sorry, in their division? I don't think that that would be. Um, or maybe it would be. Maybe it would be. Don't, don't say it. That would be an absolute shock. Are you really, kidding me? You know, I, but I, you know, what, but maybe we're that team for the for this tournament. Maybe we reach the the round of sixteen or the final eight. You know, just because of uh, our boxy and our stick to it events, <laughs> and then the maple syrup running through our veins. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hey, uh, two thousand and two, uh, Senegal of all countries uh, defeated France, who won the World Cup the uh, the uh, tournament before. And uh, I mean, I'm not expecting anything per se, but. Uh, uh, who knows? Uh, I mean, uh, the, it, it, it's just so intriguing. Antonia, uh, you kind of stole uh, you kind of stole a little bit of my momentum because I was thinking that Croatia's age may be a problem, but I get it. Uh, this is a side with a very proven track record, isn't it? They have a lot of savvy players. Just you know, starting with Modric in the middle, and Perisic on the wing. You know, watch Perisic. He's, he still is an effective player for Tottenham, and and Modric is Modric. But yeah, you know, like there is a, a vulnerability there, sure, but they just they know how to get it done, right? They're just a very savvy team. So, well, what do you guys think about this one? You know, it's it's um, you know, Canada's not the miracle on ice team from nineteen eighties. And here I go with my my hockey analogies. That seems to be my no, nah, hey, but you know, we've got. <laughs> We've got some of the best players on the world stage. We've got Alfonso Davies, who's a star in, in, in Germany, a star on the world stage. We've got uh, Jonathan David, who's a star in France. We've got Estaki, who's a star in Portugal. Uh, you know, we've got, was... we've got we've got guys. We've got forces. It's not that we can't, you know, it's not that we can't win and, and not just do it uh, on a fluke either. Like uh, that's why that's why I hesitate to say where I don't know that it would be as big a surprise as it might seem, just because we're Canada. But if you objectively look at the players on the teams, I don't know that it's that far of a stretch. Well, I mean, okay, and uh, I'm sure Tony has a comment in uh, uh, shortly, but when I see Canada barely winning against Mexico in a freezer that was in Edmonton, uh, the ice Teca is the reason why I got that Atacube jersey, the black Atacube jersey, where he <laughs> uh, uh, did the uh, header into snowbank. the snowbank. Yeah. But if it took an incredible, incredible save from Borean to uh, not concede a point in that match. And I, uh, after watching that match in Edmonton, especially, 
yeah, sure. They dominated Jamaica. They finished uh, first in the table and so on. It's CONCACAF. They've never had a, uh, a significant history. I don't think a U.S. Uh, sorry, a CONCACAF team has made it to the semis, let alone the well, maybe they made the quarters, but we, we uh, Mexico and the U.S. both did quarters, have done quarterfinals, have been in the quarters. Okay, but beyond yeah. that, nothing. So uh, this is a federation that really hasn't had a lot of major success in the World Cup. A couple of you know, uh, a couple of uh, things here and there, and. This is a uh, this is the finalist, and Belgium to me is on paper looks like a dream team, at least in years past. I haven't uh, always do. Yeah, and they so do. They, yeah. Go so on, then, why, well, Tony? Uh, do you have any idea on um, why Belgium really hasn't taken that leap? I don't. I just said, you know what? They're they're more than good enough to contend for a world cup title, but it just, they always come up short against better teams. They, and, and when I say come up short, you're talking, there's just very slim margins. Um, I don't, I, I can't explain it. I don't know what happens. This is a team that the longer a tournament goes, uh, the less interesting they look. So, and, and that's what I, I made that point on one of our previous episodes where, you know, you probably won't catch Belgium off on their heels off the hop. You know, if you somehow advance and get them in the knockout stage, you might have a chance, but um, off the hop, this team comes out strong, but I can't explain it. I mean, it's how do you explain the Leafs again? Sorry, Dan, I'm taking your hockey analogy. How do you explain, <laughs> how do you explain the Leafs going out in the first round for eight years in a row, seven years in a row, right? When they, they've, they've had teams on the ropes. I don't get it. You know, it's just psychological. I have no idea, but I mean, that team is stacked. That team is absolutely stacked. Mm. These teams, the tournaments are so hard to win too. Not only do they only have one once every four years, but you know, it's it's it takes a miracle. Argentina is another team that always looks like they, they should win and never does. Uh, the Netherlands was like that for years on the world stage. Sure. With, uh, yeah. Like that. Uh, uh, Wesley Schneider and Arian Robin. You know, those teams, you always thought that they were going to win, and they never did. Um, you know, who would have thought that uh, Brazil would have lost, uh, what was it, 8-2, 7-1 in the round? Yeah, 7-1 to Germany. You play the games, if, if Davies plays, you know, as Davies can, uh, if Estacchio controls the middle and, you know, Jonathan David's able to, you know, poke a few uh, through in the middle or starting up front, poke, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, anything, yeah. weirder, stranger things happen in, in sports, so. Um, Look, I know, get, I, 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 and I'm not just looking to, to Morocco either, you know, I, I think that we're sort of their their easy pickings to you know to, to lose to us. Oh, they're um, not. But you know, out, out of the three, they're they're the easy one to say that's the game that we're targeting to win. To um, get but, some results for sure, but they yeah. they will be tough. Um, yeah, they're probably gonna they're probably gonna. Well, I shouldn't say, but you know, they, they might be the toughest game in the round robin. Randy made a good point with the Ice Teca game because when the pressure started coming on by Mexico, they were rolling it. You know, they were yeah. firing on them at all cylinders. And, you know, they got out of there by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. And, you know, the back line, there are some question marks. I don't think they're deep enough. Um, gutted for Donald Henry. I mean, he got hurt during yeah. the warm-up of yeah. the previous friendly. And he ends up missing the World Cup just during the warm-up, the pregame warm-up. I mean, he was 
he was slotted in the starting lineup and I just feel awful for him, but um, they're, they're not very uh, deep on the back end. So that's where they might have some problems. So you could have Davies running up and down as much as you want, but when those good teams get it rolling and the, and the possession and they start moving the ball and, you know, making their quick combinations and connections and start unlocking these guys, um, it could be ugly. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm sitting here saying I don't know. I mean, I expect, like I said, I expect a super competitive uh, output from this Canadian team. I just don't know if the results will be there. Well, uh, like Dano said earlier, uh, that's why you play the games. So it's anybody's guess how uh, group stage will end, uh, and especially uh, within Canada's group between uh, Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco. Uh, very quickly, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the I think it's safe to say that a lot of the country really fell in love with this uh, national squad. Uh, Alfonso Davies came out of nowhere. He scored perhaps the greatest goal in uh, World Cup qualifying uh all together uh you know and uh it's funny i when i was in san antonio texas in october of 2021 and uh to have a conversation of the uh cab driver who was originally from mexico talking about edmonton and how whole how cold and this was before the mexico match and he was uh just so nervous about how cold edmonton was going to be during ice teca and uh, you know, like I mentioned, uh, everything just seemed to be coming roses for soccer in this country. The men's team uh, uh, actually qualifying for the World Cup. And these days we're hearing a lot of uh, Canada soccer and uh, some shortcomings that have happened uh, that have taken place, allegedly have taken place. Uh, apparently allocation money has been uh uh, you know, should be uh, filtered out a lot more diligently with uh, the uh, the women's side and a lot of uh, allegations of misspending from uh, the men's team uh, on the exec uh, towards the executive committee. Uh, Tony, has that kind of taken the uh, the steam out of what had taken place with regards to qualifications? Have you noticed it at all? Uh, no, I mean at the at the time, I'd be I was not happy with what they did. Um, when you have when you have your truest of true fans, the ones that travel, the ones that pay for flights, the ones that pay for tickets, you know, fly over to Vancouver and get you know two hours before the game starts, you protest it. I'm not a fan of that, and I get it. You know, sometimes you have to you know you have to do these things to be heard. That's fine. Um, I just. I'm not familiar with the business of Soccer Canada. I can't imagine there is a huge treasure chest of gold and silver within the coffers of, of, of Soccer Canada. I could be wrong. I know there was a deal they struck with some agency, soccer business agency. I forget the name. I should have done my research. I'm sorry. But I was expecting Frank to answer this question, but he's not here. Um so there was something with that, but I just, I don't know if there, I just wish there was another way the players did it. I think we're over it. I think we're ready to watch them play in the World Cup. We're excited to see them. Um, but at the time, I was not happy. And again, I don't know, 
I, I don't know how much money Soccer Canada has available to them to, you know, to, to, to give them all the luxuries that, that are required. I, you know, I'm definitely seeing a lot more Gatorade and Nike commercials with the Canadian players on it and this and that. I don't know if that uh, has something to do with their new deal or whatever, but I didn't like the decision at the time. I didn't think it was the right one. Well, uh, maybe everything will be put aside when uh, the World Cup uh, officially begins on the 20th. Uh, Canada's first match is, of course, against Belgium. So, uh, you know, uh, guys, why don't we uh, head right over to uh, not only the National Basketball Association and the NHL, but specifically of Kyrie Irving and Mitchell Miller. So uh, Mitchell Miller may not be a name uh, that is familiar with a lot of sports fans, and we will get into uh, him in a few moments. But once again, Kyrie Irving has made headlines for uh, something that is uh, not about basketball. And uh, he had... Forgive me, but I uh, had a retweeted a uh, link for a feature that, if I'm not mistaken, was produced by Alex Jones or uh, supported by Alex Jones. Alex Jones, the uh, conspiracy theorist podcaster, uh, formerly of InfoWars. And uh, this Sorry. was... Uh, uh, a film that uh, reportedly had anti-Semitic uh, views and positions. Because of Ty Kyrie Irving's support and apparent lack of uh, contrition in the very beginning, he was suspended. And once again, Kyrie Irving is uh, quite the contrarian of everything. Uh, Dan, uh, I... I don't even know where to begin with Kyrie Irving, but if you can sort of put everything together here, <laughs> like I'm getting a headache just thinking of this guy. But I mean, do you think the NBA uh, made the right move in suspending him, albeit for a minimum of five games? <laughs> I don't know. I know that I, I think okay, Chappelle nailed it uh, in his SNL monologue last this past weekend. I said Kanye got in so much trouble that Kyrie got got in trouble. It's a, it was just it was the, the complete wrong time um, to you know weigh in on on that topic or even um, you know passive aggressively you know give your two cents or whatever your view may be or you know support any sort of controversial. Um, viewpoint on that topic uh, so i don't know I, uh, it, it, it's it, it seems like a bit of a slippery slope to me um you know irrelevant uh, whether or not you favor or are in disagreement of uh you know of what he was i guess trying to imply by uh linking uh or sending out a link to that movie on amazon um I don't know that you can take away his right to do so, whether or not he's right or wrong. And by removing a guy from the league for a minimum of five games to follow that with a laundry list of things that here are stuff that you need to do now before we'll let you back in the game. I don't know. It feels, it feels weird. It feels um, 
it feels like you're you're not in favor of of, of of free speech or you're not in favor of um you know all those things but then at that, there's on the other side of this you know stuff like that is dangerous you know speech like that is dangerous promoting um you know pieces of i don't even want to call them arts but you know pieces of uh I don't know if they're just the copy or context or you know, whatever they are. Um, you know, it, it, it can be divisive. It can be dangerous. It can have a ripple effect, especially because you are Kyrie and because you're seen as a leader, um, you know, in the league. And because, you know, whether or not you want to be that guy, you know, kids look up to you. They, they hang on to what you say, um, you know. And so to Tony's point, you know, if everything revolves around money, you know, you got to know better if you're going to be a corporate, you know, sponsor. If you're going to be a corporate guy, that's that's not how corporations work. They, they don't they don't want to be involved in that conversation. They just want people to buy their products, not have to associate them with anti-Semitism because of one of their guys in their commercial, you know, intimated as something that you know. I don't know if he was doing it to prove a point or just to cause controversy or I'm not sure why he was doing it, what he was doing it, but I don't know that the NBA is, you know, implicitly right in this also. Well, that's exactly what I have no idea either. And is this something that he did, you know, without thinking, does he have a certain viewpoint that uh, jived with uh, this particular feature, but, you know, from, uh, walking away uh, from the Cleveland Cavaliers the way that he did, walking away from the Boston Celtics, not wanting to play in the bubble because of uh, the shooting of uh, the black Wisconsin man uh, uh, at the hands of police, Jacob Blake, uh, to not wanting to take the vaccine. I mean, of course, with regards to the latter, it's really, really polarizing topics. And Kyrie Irving is taking the contrarian point of view if you even want to call it uh that depending on where you are in uh said topic you know tony i i'd really love to uh i i am very interested of course in your opinion uh you and i definitely have uh, differing views when it comes to uh, uh certain social matters you know um I don't know where to start from this either. Uh, you know, from you know, as I bring you into this conversation with regards to Kyrie Irving, uh, you know, is he being uh, unfairly judged in this, or uh, is he just a drama queen looking for attention? What comes? What sticks out in your mind? Uh, well, two years ago he was more than an athlete. Now he's you know, shut up and dribble. That's what I think of it. Um, listen, first of all, we got to get our facts straight. It. The, the Alex Jones thing he retweeted was something he said back in early 2000s about stuff that he was predicting future stuff, a lot of stuff that became true. Now, I'm, I'm not an Alex Jones fan, but th this was stuff he was floating around. So that's completely different from a picture of the movie that he posted. Um, this The movie is called Hebrews to Negroes, which has been a book since 2014 and has been on the Amazon platform since 2018. So all of a sudden, Kyrie Irving posts a, a picture of this movie, and boom, everybody all of a sudden knows about it. Um, this documentary has elements of Holocaust denial in it, and it is a part of the movie that 
Kyrie didn't see eye to eye with, if you know people want to listen to him actually speak. Um, but he was intrigued by other aspects of, you know, the history of black people uh, in Israel, uh, the, the the Jewish connection that is there with with black people, and how, you know, there might have been an exodus of black Jewish people at the time. It, this is a rough understanding from what I've read of it from people who have watched actually watched it in the count. I listened to Jason Whitlock a lot, and he caught about 75 minutes of the movie. Uh, he found it extremely boring, but some of the subject, <laughs> but, you know, but he said that that's the biggest problem. So we are quickly jumping all over Kyrie. I, I don't remember when it became illegal or wrong to watch anything that is available on a platform for you. Uh, regardless of what the subject is, you should be allowed to watch it. You might not agree with it, but you could find it intriguing. I might want to watch something on, you know, how Hitler managed to get everybody in line and do what he did. I don't think it's wrong for me to sit there and say, wow, how did he manage to, to get all the, it, it's pretty crazy how he managed to get, it doesn't mean I agree with it. It doesn't sure. mean, I, you know, and this is, and, and I agree with, um, uh, with Dan on the slippery slope that you start to infringe on free speech. But what I got out of this guys is the tremendous hypocrisy because he's not playing to the script, you know, the script that is supposed to be the script um, that the masters are going to give you uh, all of a sudden you become, you know, Mr. Persona non gata. Like I said, two years ago, he was more than an athlete. He was front and center. Black Lives Matter t-shirt, first guy on his knee, first guy to talk about, you know, not playing that night when Jacob played, Blake did get shot. And now all of a sudden it's shut up and dribble. This has more to do than that I, tweet. I, I, you know, this, sorry, this, I, just to chime. Yeah, just, yeah okay. This, uh, because uh, what, what I wanted to add to that was, and I don't know, uh, because I don't really follow Kyrie Irving's day-to-day um, uh, -day, but I, I think uh, kudos to him for not playing in the bubble. My question is, however, what has he done with regards to Black Lives Matter since? He might have done a million things, uh, but I haven't seen. What, what has anybody that. done? <laughs> you know, what has anybody done? Other than virtue signaling, most people in the NBA, what what have they done? It's It's all virtue signaling, Randy. That's my point. And Black Lives Matter themselves have have made a boatload of money off of their cause over the last two years. But that's neither here nor there. The, the, I'm, I'm talking about Kyrie Irving and how it's amazing if the, if the narrative slips just a little bit, you become from this to this. And again, Kyrie Irving is a guy I'd never have on my team. He's too out there, you know, but he sure as hell is a man. And he's a man who's allowed to think for himself. and. The five-game suspension was crazy because that's, you know, you get a five-game suspension for putting a picture of a movie on is nuts to me. And now you're seeing the narrative flip from some of his detractors in the media and fellow athletes because, you know, the New Jersey Nets put all these blocks up and said, you've got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this before you come back. All of a sudden, they're, they're not too happy about it. LeBron James, I'll give him credit, after condemning – you know, Kyrie, you know, he came out and said, you know, this, this, 
these guidelines that you've set for him to come back is 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 not good. The NBA has put themselves in a weird spot here. It's a very weird spot, and and I've had a lot of time to think about it, guys. So, I, you know, you guys could think I'm crazy or not, but you know, they have this social justice warrior shit going on up here, and then you know, the people they're beholden to, and let's be honest here, between China and corporate media and whatever that's owned by you know mostly jewish people there's a clash now so all of a sudden this kind of suspension gets put on Kyrie. not to mention all the shit that he has to do just to get back okay and these demands are being handed down by a chinese owner who totally supports the genocide of uyghur muslims in china so the hypocrisy is now exploding so it there is no choice but for some of his black fellow black athletes and people in the media of prominence, Stephen A. Smith, Shannon Sharpton, these guys have to start switching the slit and saying, hang on a second. What, what you guys are doing to Kyrie is not right. So if you notice over the last week, it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, we have to kind of support him here because there's a lot of hypocrisy going on. The point is, this is what happens when we put our stock in athletes as being social justice warriors or trying to be people. It's not you're not going to get another Muhammad Ali. And you see it straight up because there's way too many powers above them that clash. And we're seeing, you know, the residue of it now. And I feel strongly for this. Like like I said, I'm not a big fan of Kyrie Irving either, but he's been wronged here. This is this is not right what they're doing to him. Not right at all. Hmm. Yeah, no, it, and it's, I guess, with regards to him having such different views with regards to s- some extremely big topics uh, and how he just seems to have this desire I mean, I for one don't believe that he did what he did, not thinking that no one's going to notice. And that ever since he got to Brooklyn, well, maybe even before that in Boston, that his actions are never about the betterment of the team. It is always about him. It really is interesting how uh, things are going to roll out. And uh, I mean, I agree. Listen. His his from the time he asked to depart from Cleveland for whatever reason he had to the time he spent in Boston and to his wishy washy ways, you know, his back and forth says, I'd love to come back to Boston. And he ends up signing with the Brooklyn Nets like, yeah, he's not a guy you can rely on. I never, you know, absolutely. There's no question about it. But I applaud the guy for having his own brain. Right. I applaud the guy for having his own mind. I mean, it's. It's just what is being exposed now, like I said, is the hypocrisy. You know, you have China saying we can't have someone like that on our payroll. We've got to cut ties with him. But, you know, uh, fill in the blanks. Gee, really? You have morals now, Nike? It's all weird, man. It's all really weird. And and I look at this stuff very closely and it bothers the hell out of me, right? Like it's, you know, once upon a time, back in the day, one of my favorite people of all time, Muhammad Ali, if this was him, you know, Jim Brown, John Carlos, Tommy Smith, he had Malcolm X, um, Martin Luther King. They were behind him. They were behind him in support, solidarity. 
Now everybody's burying the guy because they don't want to lose their money train from the masters. You know what I mean? Like from their service, the people who hand them the script, Jalen Roses, the Stephen A. Smiths, LeBron James, these guys, Shaq and Charles Barkley. I was so surprised at their reaction last week. At least Chuck, I thought he was going to be, you know, I'll give two guys credit through this. Actually. I don't want to bury everybody. I think Jason, uh, Jay Williams, ESPN. Uh, I, I didn't. I didn't catch his uh, comments. He's been very adamant about this. He's actually. Why isn't anybody calling out Jeff Bezos and Amazon for having this thing on the platform since 2018? I think he's been good. And Jalen Brown too, um, who's the assistant vice president of the Players Association, he's been very supportive of Kyrie Irving. And I just think if if you know if you're going to act and tell me that you're a brotherhood and you stand together and you say you've got to do it under any circumstances not just under the script that's given to you by, you know, the powers that be. You can't only talk about one thing, but you're not allowed to talk about if you want to be true social justice warriors, nothing should be off limits. Nothing. nothing well, you know, uh, okay. And uh, I definitely, I definitely yeah. agree with that. Uh, and I definitely hear what you're saying with that. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to talk about Mitchell Miller in a moment, but when uh such uh when such items come up uh Kyrie Irving and this one tweet for example what really is a peeve of mine is well uh you know you're focusing on Kyrie Irving but then what about Jeff Be Bezos and Amazon which I get it is valid but then you're talking about um, you know, the atrocities of uh, A, and then you're bringing in all these other factors in. And I guess what my question is, which nobody can answer, when does stuff get resolved? I mean, like the whole uh, thing of uh, bringing a uh, questionable action to, um, to the uh, forefront, it gets buried with all these other things, uh, that wouldn't have been brought up if there wasn't an initial issue to uh, to, uh in the first place. You get what I'm getting at here, Tony? Like, do you do you see what my? Oh, I agree, hundred percent. They're they're going after Kyrie. This isn't just about that tweet. Trust me, his his vaccine stance last year still doesn't sit well with the NBA. Believe me. Just like they're cheering Aaron Rodgers that he's losing as much as he is with the Packers. They're not going to let this go. And it comes down to money again. Randy, these corp, trust me, Pfizer, Moderna, the amount of money they dump into advertising through sports, through mainstream media is unbelievable. They can't have a guy off script. Shut your mouth. Boy. Well, I mean, uh, well, whether it's uh, directly from the league or just the fact that uh, uh, people are not really allowed to have much of an opinion. And that is either with, with uh, regards to, um uh celebrities or maybe even our own families uh it's uh it's definitely a lot more difficult to have uh, a differing point of view uh these days guys very quickly and maybe maybe a lot more uh maybe a lot more intriguing for lack of a better term is mitchell mitchell uh mitchell miller now he is a uh i can't remember if he's a 18 year old 19 year old he's a young uh nhl prospect originally drafted no, by the sorry he's 20 he's 21 22 now 
Okay. And uh, he was originally drafted by the Arizona Coyotes, but then uh, word came out of uh, uh, some uh, very egregious things that uh, Miller did as a younger child, uh, specifically bullying a black classmate who did have, uh, who does have a deve developmental issues. Uh, Arizona uh released him without playing an NHL game. Uh, then the Boston Bruins came out of nowhere and agreed to uh, sign him. But then when uh, more accusations or maybe just an echoing of what Miller did as a 13-year-old kid uh, came to light, uh, Boston decided to let him go. Uh, Dano, uh, I, I don't know if... Uh, if you are uh, fully aware of what took place with Mitchell Miller, I know that you weren't originally, uh, uh, you know, asked to comment about this, but uh, with regards to uh, Mitchell Miller specifically, should he still be accountable uh, for uh, what he did, albeit seven, eight years ago? Should he still be held accountable for it? Well, I mean, I, I guess that's the main reason why he is uh, not under contract. Uh, there was a belief that he wasn't as uh, uh, apologetic, contrite in uh, trying to make amends. It was rather wishy-washy. For me personally, you know, I've been thinking about this. And should a child be... Uh, especially when you uh, do have uh, one of those rare opportunities like playing uh, professional sports, making millions of dollars. Look, we as 13-year-olds uh, may not have the maturity that we do have now, but a 13-year-old can recognize when they are being a bully. And uh, I think that this is something where I do think that if Mitchell Miller is made an example of i think it's all the i think that will be a better move for society i really do believe this this may not be the most popular opinion amongst the uh, the two of you i happen to i happen to really applaud this i mean the fact that uh, miller is having this difficult a time and may never play nhl hockey i think that this is an example that kids do have to be accountable whether you get to play in the pros or not if you are a teenager a young teenager an adolescent the whole you being 12 9 13 16 years old shouldn't make a difference anymore dano i mean tony uh i'm sure you're going to comment soon uh as uh as uh fathers am i being unreasonable here uh me first, or sorry? Oh, uh, Dano. Uh, uh, Dano hasn't spoken in a bit. Uh, I, I mean, uh, if you did, uh, if uh, if you did have uh, an immediate no, let, comment to what I said, let let Dan have it first. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'll, I'll take a shot at it too. Yeah. Um, I think the Bruins know that they screwed this one up, uh, and I'll say that from the standpoint of. We've, it seems uh, this episode might be called hypocrisy in sports because it's been up and down <laughs> before and everything that we're talking about. Some level of hypocrisy to it, but uh, you know, 
yes, 14-year-old kids make mistakes. Um, you know, I don't know that it, that it was as innocent as, um, you know, some people categorize it as a, as a one-and-done situation as some of the, the Bruins front staff tried to hide behind the fact after they ultimately decided to um, terminate his contract to say that we thought it was an isolated incident. Some of the reports say that, you know, uh, that Mitch Miller, you know, for years tormented this disabled kid, which is, you know, among the lowest of the low, you know, even for a 13 year old, um, you know, I, I had some of those guys in my high schools and elementary schools that they didn't care if they were picking on, um, you know, people in the specialized class or people in wheelchairs or people with, uh, you know, missing, uh, missing, um, appendages or, you know, or whatever, or lips, right. So, you know, what he did was despicable, you know, you from all accounts, anyway, again, throw a big fat asterisk across everything I'm going to say, because obviously I wasn't there, but from the accounts that I've read from the reputable sources and hearing both sides and watching the, the story unfold, what this kid did when he was 13, 14 years old, maybe even before that, maybe a little bit after that was, you know, something that you know if, if an adult was doing we, we you know as a society we would be happy to see them do some time behind bars um now he was also born with a god-given talent to play hockey so arizona drafted him and then you know let him go until the bruins re-signed him like you said man he had a seemingly nowhere where it's not like this is a team that starves for talent or a team that you know is, is missing their whole front line due to injuries and needed somebody who can come play and put the puck in the net. That's not the case with the Bruins. Like they're, they're a stacked team. They've got a good farm system. They've got a great, uh, you know, they, they, they've been one of the teams in the NHL who is somebody to, to look to as, as a model um, franchise that, you know, that, that treats their players right. That gives uh, the players their voice and is, is, is a good community leader is, you know, all these sort of things that, again, it's a corporation, that it's a safe way for them to go to not um, segregate their customers, their fan base, and to bring as many people along for the ride as possible because sports is supposed to be the great uniter. So nobody heard about this kid or, it, you know, it was even forgotten until the Bruins signed him out of nowhere. So now all of a sudden, and I don't want to say poor Mitch, but poor Mitch got thrown back into the spotlight through, you know, false not of his own. This was the Bruins doing that took him and dragged him into the spotlight to say, we've signed this kid, you know, who's not even eligible to play in the league, but we won't bother looking into that. We won't bother, you know, trying to do due do, do, do diligence with the victim or his family or anything like that. And then, you know, good for Patrice Bergeron and, and Brad Marchand and David Krejci and the leadership group in that team to, to stand up and say, as a group of hockey players, this isn't the kind of distraction that we want or need in our dressing room. You know, whether or not he's good enough to play in the league is irrelevant. You know, we don't, we stand with the original decision that Arizona did to, to say that, you know, he's, 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 he's out of our pipeline uh, and that the NHL to remove him from the eligible player list. And, you know, I mean, we don't want to welcome that sort of scrutiny because some of our players may even have uh, children with disabilities or our families, we may know a lot of people. So, you know, we don't want to condone that, even if we're not condoning it per se, because everybody deserves a second chance, yada, yada. But that's not to say that, you know, we're, we're not trying to remove this guy from society. We're just saying that we don't want him um, 
you know, ordinate him as part of what the Boston Bruins as an organization, as a community leader, as uh, you know, somebody who, and, let, and let's be honest, in, in the Boston market needs to be a great team or else people are, you know, they're going to start to slowly turn up because there's too many options. There's, you know, I don't even know that the, that the, that the Bruins, as far as, you know, if, if Toronto is a Leafs town, I would imagine that Boston is a Red Sox town, you know, first and foremost, maybe Patriots yeah. most recently just with, with Brady, but really, you know, baseball is the sport in Boston. So, you know, why welcome that kind of negativity or that kind of, you know, undue press or even to put this poor kid who should have served his time and, you know, should have, you know, started looking for, you know, different ways to, uh, to uh, you know, be a member of society, to, to, to contribute. You don't have to be a hockey player and you don't have to play in North America. He could have signed in the KHL. He could have signed in the Swiss League. He could have signed anywhere he wanted and made money playing hockey. Um, but, you know, it's a little bit too close to home. It's a little bit too emotional, especially when it comes to kids. A lot of people don't, you know, that that's sort of a, a line in the sand where, uh, you know, it's you're either with us or against us. And, you know, and truthfully, I'm with the ruins of what they ultimately did, especially, you know, I've, I've always been a Patrice Bergeron fan, even though he knocked us out in <laughs> 2003, game seven. But, you know, he's, he's, he's a stand-up guy, uh, you know, and, and you know, you'd have to again. You know, you'd have to admire him for taking a stand and saying that you know, as players, as the leader of this group, it's it's not something that I want. You know, we want in our dressing room, and, you know, and and, um, and they put the feet to the fire of Bruins management to, uh, you know, ultimately undo what they did. Tony, uh, you know what? I'm really torn with this, and, and uh, from personally. You know, from my standpoint, my older daughter is on the spectrum. So as a parent of somebody who's on the spectrum, uh, and, and again, she's high functioning. She's wonderful. Um, there's no uh, there's no total disability there. However, you know, there is a vulnerability. These types of kids have are vulnerable. They're vulnerable to wanting to fit in, um, want to be a part of social scene. So it is easier to manipulate kids like that get them in and then make them do things. And so it, as the parents of that young man, I feel for them. I really do. Like, the I'm sorry, the hockey player or the victim? Uh, the victim. Okay. Good. As, as You know, I, I feel for them so much because those are my fears every day, man. With her going to school, she's at an age now where she wants to fit in socially. Sometimes it's not easy to make friends. So you find yourself end up being in situations where maybe some people will start making you do things you don't want to do. So, man, I, so it brings up those that anxiety that I get as a parent when I think about her. Uh, however, um, ultimately, the question becomes, how long is long enough that someone has to pay for a mistake they made when they were kids? And they were kids, uh, Randy, like 13, 14 years old you're not developmentally still. And we all made mistakes as kids. Now playing in the national hockey league is a privilege, not a right. Mm -hmm. So it's totally within the league's right to say, we can't make this kid eligible. Um, again, you're right, Dan. Um, he can go to Europe and play. Uh, are, is the mob going to stop him from playing there too? Like is the 
Hockey Diversity Alliance going to step in and say he shouldn't be playing in the Euro Leagues too? I don't know. Because it seems like when they got involved in this as well, then the message started getting a little weird. From one aspect, apparently, you know, there was an apology by the kid. And then from another aspect saying there was never apology. And then all of a sudden the family never accepted the apology, uh, the victim's family. Right. You know, so again, the lines get blurry and I, and second chances are second chance. Everybody deserves them. Um, I don't know the answer. I'm just, I'm throwing the question out there. How long is too long? It's a, it's a difficult situation, but like, like I said, as a parent, I understand the fears of the family. I understand what that family is going through. I'm sure it's difficult. Um, the Boston Bruins tried to slip one through the goalie, excuse the pun, for sure. And it backfired big time on them. But I just, I wonder, you know, when I think of the Hockey Diversity Alliance, which is, again, on a previous episode, I think it was a great idea for hockey to have something like that in the picture because it does need to grow the, the game of hockey. But man, if you talk about a culture of hazing, that that the NHL that hockey players have, I would imagine Brad Marchand was involved in some serious shit when he was younger and this and that. So we yeah. we have to again. No, listen to what I'm saying. Like no, no, no. I'm I'm with you. I'm ag- I'm agreeing with you. But I but please. But again, and again, it just goes back to my question: How long is too long? It's seven years now, seven eight years. Um, he doesn't have the right to play in the National Hockey League. I get it, but. Is, you know, in five years from now, if a team tries to sign him, are we going to jump down everyone's throats and stop it from happening? You know, because I think that's what's kind of happening. And I think a nice solution would be for the Hockey Diversity Alliance, um, Mitchell Miller and his agent and the NHL and the, and the victim's family, maybe to get together and figure this out in a non-canceling way for a change, have a conversation. And if the parents at that point still want nothing to do with it, still say no, then we can move on, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? I think it was just. Well, no, I I, I do, uh, and I think uh, the one uh, thing that I am not hearing as much is how is the victim able to cope and move on what he with what he experienced Absolutely. and that uh this uh this hockey player uh and with Arizona originally drafting him with Boston uh trying to sign him that a lot of uh, the focus could have very well have been Mitchell Miller's road to redemption and uh I think uh, far too much people are more focused or more interested in how the person responsible uh, gets uh, a second chance. Meanwhile, uh, victims have never been really truly able to uh, recover. So, uh, you know, it's, it's such a difficult topic, uh, you know? Yeah. And in in the end, in the end, you just got to really hope uh, that, uh, this uh, young uh, this young man uh, who experienced a lot at the hands of Mitchell Miller 
and that victims everywhere uh you know whether it's uh, uh developmental issues uh people who've gone through uh sexual violation everything mm-hmm. uh, you know that uh that uh, victims do uh get a chance at uh you know overcoming uh all the uh all the unfair uh egregious things that may have happened uh guys i don't know if we've ever been through uh this deep a conversation this uh deep into the podcast but uh uh you know that being said uh, i'd love to uh, end things off how uh things usually end off and that is deal or no deal so uh you guys know the drill why don't we just get right to it and dano the uh, Houston Astros have won their second World Series uh, in five years. They had uh, been to the league championship game, I think, s- if it's not seven years straight, six years straight. They've been on a very impressive run. However, in 2017, uh, they were uh, implicated in uh, various forms of cheating, Uh there hasn't been any indication that uh, the Houston Astros cheated in 2022. However, uh, there does seem to be a number of people, myself included, who can't shake away what took place five years ago. The Houston Astros winning uh, the World Series this year. Is that a big deal or no big deal? Um, I'm not sure which one would be which way, so I'll, I'll rephrase it this way. Where it's, 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 um... <laughs> what happened five years ago is not representative of who this team is. It's I, I think, you know, to, to what we were just talking about before where, you know, they were implicated in, in the cheating scandal and, and the people who were around at the time were punished. Some of them, you know, pretty severely, uh, you know, as far as uh, years removed from the league. And, you know, as far as the players on that team that are still around from that time, I don't think it's much. Not a lot. The World, the World Series MVP is playing for Toronto now. <laughs> right? So, like, you know, you've, you've got a handful of guys. These are all, you know, really skilled baseball players. They didn't win because they cheated. Um, you know, I'm sure it helped. But, uh, again, just proving their own point that, you know, how many CLS is in, in a row of four now? You know, how many uh, division championships in the last decade? You know, who knows? Um, so, they're, you know... They cheated on their way to, to the top. They got caught, but they proved to everybody that it wasn't a fluke, and they came back and they won again. So, um, you know, hats off to them, to the to new ownership, Dusty Baker, uh, and even to the, even to the guys who, uh, who who stuck around and played their way through that and had the people bang on trash cans uh, in every every visiting ballpark that they went into for a little bit. So, you know, to uh, to the Altuve's and Bregman's and Gurriel's, um, you know, congratulations. You know, it doesn't make me, <laughs> make me like you anymore, but, uh, you know, I can't hold it against you forever. Well, that sounds like a big deal uh, in uh, if I was to judge what you just said. But I actually did have a one-on-one interview with Dusty Baker uh, when, uh, when he was the manager of San Francisco. And uh, it was the first time Barry Bonds was playing in Toronto. And uh, I'll never forget that, uh, that interview uh, for... It was one of the peaks of my, uh, albeit very brief, journalism career. <laughs> but uh, uh, speaking of uh, getting back to uh, this segment, uh, guys, uh, the Ottawa Senators—they uh, have uh, been in the league now. This is their thirtieth season, and 
Uh, say whatever you want about the senators. They don't really seem to have that kind of mass appeal outside of the nation's capital. However, there does seem to be uh, some real interest from an A-list Hollywood celebrity in purchasing the senators. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, star of such movies like Deadpool, uh, is uh, rumored to be interested in purchasing the Sens. He is a uh, British Columbia native. And uh, of course, uh, hockey does run in through though th- does run through those Canadian veins. Uh, Tony, uh, with Ryan Reynolds potentially seeking ownership of the Sens, is that a big deal or no big deal? Uh, average deal, I guess. I mean, first of all, he's gonna Ryan Reynolds Sports and Entertainment uh, Corporation. The guys, he he currently owns uh, Wrexham football club in wales they play in like the fifth tier of the of the british league and now he's looking to buy the senators he's going to need a lot of sugar daddies to make that (laughs) i talked about that on uh, one of the shows he was on one of those unfunny late night comedians and uh, he talked about needing sugar daddies so he's going to need a lot of them um it would be cool for sure it would be cool ryan reynolds is a you know is a great face for our country he's proud to be canadian and um I don't know how serious he is or not, but if he was, uh, I think it'd be cool. I mean, I, I, I sorry. ownership uh, when stuff when teams go up for sales. That Gary Bettman does not like it when people make their intentions to buy public. So I'd imagine that Ryan Reynolds has already shot himself in the foot, unless the the fans in Ottawa, you know, completely take this over and turn it into something that um, that they weren't anticipating. But I can't imagine that Gary Bettman's happy about this. Um, but if I may just jump in and give my two cents, and I, I think it would be ultimately good for Ottawa because to, to Tony's point, you know, I didn't even know where Wrexham played. You know, I, somebody had to tell me it was in Wales and it's because of Ryan Reynolds and Ralph McElhaney bought it. So, you know, they come with that marketing eye with that, uh, with that way of finding exposure and uh, creating dollars around it. So it could be good for the team in the long run where, uh, you know, if he puts together a, a group and they they find a way to to market it on a global or even across the country, or even into the states, could generate more money into payroll, which ultimately leads to a better team. Um, so it could be good for the city. Uh, it would be really good for the country again to have this this proud uh, Canadian boy, as long as he hasn't you know it doesn't turn out that he's uh, he's verbally abused anybody in the past <laughs> fifteen years. Um, so it could be good. Could be good. I, I honestly, uh, I'm really uh, uh, torn on this one because if the Senators don't get that downtown arena, I don't think it makes a hill of, uh, a hill of beans at all. I don't think it makes any difference at all. Uh, if uh, LeBreton Flats does become the new home of the Ottawa Senators, uh, apparently uh, it's the real difference maker for uh, the Sens being a lot more accessible uh, to people in that area. I mean, does... LeBron James uh, make any difference uh, having a piece of Liverpool and uh, does uh, Alex Rodriguez make much of a difference uh, owning the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, uh, But uh, uh, whatever it takes to have uh, the Senators remain in Ottawa, then I'll be uh, definitely for it. So, uh, you know, be interesting. Ryan Reynolds being an Ottawa Senators owner. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, But uh, finally, uh, Canada's men's basketball team has qualified for the World Cup. Uh, 
I truthfully, uh, and obviously Canada's men's team has uh, really taken an evolution and have really uh, uh, skyrocketed towards uh, respectability uh, with some very key names uh, potentially being on the World Cup roster. Now, none of those players were around during qualifying, but uh, men's basketball, Tony, is uh, a sport uh an event that i personally don't really get that too hyped about i love basketball and uh you know i developed such an appreciation especially after the raptors won the championship but there's always it's always going to be usa and nobody else and uh with regards to canada qualifying for the world cup of basketball in your opinion is that a big deal or no big deal i didn't even know it happened <laughs> so that is easily to identify that, that uh, it's not that, a big deal that's how focused i was on this whole thing i mean i assume our best players weren't there anyway because they're you know busy playing in the nba um the on again off again participation by some of our best players um, has soured me and my attention span for canada basketball is very very low right now so Honestly, I didn't even know that happened. I didn't know they were playing games. Um, so, yeah, I guess no big deal is my answer. Yeah, no, and uh, actually, uh, I'm not going to lie to you. As I uh, quickly type up uh, where the next uh, Basketball World Cup is going to be, uh, looks like it's going to be the 25th uh, to September 10th in – doesn't even say where it's going to be. So, uh, in Indonesia? Anyway. Google, Google's like – Huh? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's been just being bombarded with uh, World Cup of Soccer uh, uh, searches and so on. Listen, guys, uh, uh, it's always such a great treat to uh, to chat and talk about uh, about sports. Of course, uh, there are some very, you know, heavy topics that we did go through, uh, but uh, maybe we could definitely bring it back, like uh, episodes past, where uh, we talk about some uh, more uplifting topics uh to tony antonio dan Legeri, the pleasure is definitely all mine thank you <laughs> and for and for tony and dan i am randy Kure. this is a what's up the sports podcast thank you so much for joining us we will talk to you next time